podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Let's get ready to rumble! Hello and welcome to Face Off. I'm your host, Guy Drinkle, as usual. In this podcast, we're going to be covering the recent Brighton game. And I'll introduce my guest before we get into the show. Um, joining us is, you heard him on the preview pod, and I've heard him on previous preview pods as well, is Kieran Maguire. How are you doing, Kieran? Um, sound lads, I'm very good indeed. Good stuff, good stuff. And a Liverpool fan joining us is Sam Evans. How are you doing, Sam? Very, very good again, mate. And really happy to see the Reds still top of the league. Good stuff, good stuff. And Man City haven't even played, so touch wood, it could actually get better. But we won't drink that too much. But we'll start with the, the usual stuff. We'll go through the starting 11s. But Sam, I have to start with you because smidge of drama before even the game beca- began. Because obviously Trent went down in the warm-up with, I think it was an ankle injury or a knee injury. But um, when you saw Milner going through a bit more of a, a vigorous warm-up, were you worried? And I, well, are you still possibly worried? Because, I mean, it's not he's not all clear yet. I suppose. Uh, for for a one-off game, I wouldn't have particularly been too worried. It's just the, the going forward. You know, we we are very short in that area now, and I've said in a few pods, I'm not really a big fan of of us putting Gomez at right back because that leaves us with three of our centre backs starting the game. So then it, it leaves a short centre back as well. So it. It's clearly a bit of turn, and it was kind of. I was thinking, this is Sod's law. We've just let Klein go, <laughs> and then Trent goes down with an injury, you know. But um, to be honest, mate, I, I've got a bit more faith in the team this year. And when we have had these problems, we, we have found a way to, mm. to get there. And Milner has been key to that. He, he's a guy that's always willing to to do his best, and he's not someone that's going to complain. So you know, if he'd have had the slot in right back, he'd have slotted in right back, and and, and given us the 6 out of 10 that would have been sufficient. Yeah, yeah, I fully agree with you. Just If it's a sustained period of time, I'd probably be a bit worried then. But uh, as you say, a one-off, I wouldn't be too bothered. But, um, Kieran, I'll come to you with the, with the starting level because I think Liverpool's almost picked itself uh, minus that little injury scare. But I'll, I'll come back to you in a sec, Sam. But, Kieran, uh, on the preview pod, you obviously mentioned um, Bernardo's probably been your player of the month or, or something along that line. And um, they didn't really say why he wasn't playing. I think they just went with a line that bonged a bit more experience. I mean, what was, what was the crack there? Because you seem to sound very impressed with him so far. Um, uh, Bernardo pulled a hamstring against West Ham when ah, they okay. scored their equaliser on uh, on January the second. So he he was out yesterday, and he's also out against United at Old Trafford next Saturday as well. So that was uh, that, that was a sort of big disappointment before the start. We thought we'd be vulnerable. Bong actually had a reasonable game. Not that he had a huge amount to do. I think all twenty-two players had very little to do. To be honest. <laughs> Yeah, very true. But the other, not, de- de- 
poor decision on Hewton's part. But do you think that Glenn Murray, obviously he's one of your key men, especially scoring goals and stuff, but do you think he's the right sort of striker to play against Liverpool? Because I know we had a, a defensive midfielder playing centre-back, but we've obviously seen how Van Dijk deals with his big physical strikers. Do you think he is the right sort of striker, or do you think it was just you couldn't really trust your Andonis or move Lacadia back and up front? Was Glenn Murray always the choice there? I think uh, Glenn is Chris Hewton's go-to striker. Uh, and, and Doni is swifter to to a large extent. Uh, yesterday's game was a bit of an air shot for us. So mm. uh, Andone had played against the, the previous week. So I, th- I think Hewton just decided to rotate the strikers. Um, if, if Glenn Murray had had buried that, that chance he had in the first half, we'd all be singing Hewton's praises. But uh I thought it was a poor miss by Murray. You know, it's the type of thing which he normally thrives on, and uh, that, uh, that that was about his only uh, contribution to the match. Yeah, yeah, we'll come on to that chance in a second because it was pretty much one of the only things that actually happened in the first half. But um, Sam, from our point of view, starting eleven, I mean, I think we all expected Fabinho to stay at centre back. I mean, the only other one I could really think of is that Henderson had a somewhat of an injury. Didn't really say what it was, but. Um, do you think it's right to, I'm going to say, rushed back from injury, but do you think Henderson was the right choice? Yeah, I, I think the centre-back crisis has kind of had a knock-on effect onto our midfield then, and with Keita having a bit of a wobbly performance in the FA Cup game against Wolves, it did leave us a bit short in that position with Fabinho having a slot in a centre-back. So, it's, it's not ideal, you know, we Henderson's been one of those guys that's picked up a lot of little injuries over the years. Hmm. Hasn't been quite clear what the problem was sometimes. Uh, but again, similar to, to Milner, it's not necessarily going to be absolute top-level performance, but he's always going to give you his absolute all and he'll do a job for us. Um, I, th- I think we did struggle a bit against the organisation of Brighton on the day. Uh, to be fair to them, they were extremely well organised and you know, similar to the game at Anfield, we found it really, really difficult to break them down. You know, I don't know whether this it's just learned lessons from the two games last season when I think it was 5-1 and 4-0 that we beat them. So, mm. um, they, you know, they were very, very compact and very organised and I, I was really impressed with how good they were defensively. And, the problem is with that then, when you've got that kind of team against you, Henderson really isn't the guy to to penetrate uh, that midfield and try and get some decent ball up to the, the strikers. You know, it would have been ideal to have Fabinho in midfield for this game. So I was a little bit kind of disappointed that he had to be rushed in like that. Again, he's shown this season... And you know a lot of people could send, but he, he always puts a shift in, and he always do his best. So I think he did, you know, a decent enough job on the day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he definitely got better in the second half, but we'll come on to that. But um, I'll, I'll I'll stick with you, Sam, for the for the um, Glenn Murray chance. I think it was like ten fifteen minutes in. Um, that was probably the first thing Fabinho had to do in the game, defensive wise, and he he seemed to deal with Murray physically quite well on the day, but he did seem to lose him on that one occasion. I mean, we. Any seeds of doubt from that moment? Yeah, I, I think maybe Kieran's a little bit harsh on Murray there. But I watched it back a few times, and at the time I thought, yeah, Fabinho wasn't anywhere near tight enough on him, and especially seeing as he's the clear danger man in the air. Um, but 
to be fair, when you watch it back, it seems like he had to break his stride a bit and kind of go backwards on himself to try and reach the ball. I didn't think he was kind of running on to it. I thought it was kind of a bit too high for him. And I think that was kind of one of the factors in why he actually didn't manage to hit the target with that one. And I think Fabinho was kind of running towards where the ball would be if it would have been a header on the run. So the fact that it went kind of behind him, I think, made it a more difficult chance than maybe it looked like at first uh, at first glance. And you know, I saw a, a tweet earlier by um, our very own Joseph Cousins actually mentioning that on the commentary, uh, they said that Liverpool haven't conceded a single-headed goal in the Premier League this season, apparently. Um, so I think we can give Virgil van Dijk a big pat on the back for that stat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely we can. Uh, I'm sure we remember getting bullied by many strikers in the league before Van Dijk. But um, Kieran, you obviously mentioned it on the starting 11 uh, um, chat. And um, I know it's probably a tough one. Of, it's not one you'd expect to take 10 times out of 10. But in, in a game against uh, a top four, I mean, a top two team in the, in the league, um, it's one of them chances that you have to take in it to get a result. Yeah, he, he should at least get it on target. It certainly wasn't an opportunity to necessarily guarantee a goal, but it was a relatively free header from you know, 10, 12 yards out. And, and a striker is as experienced as Murray normally is, is accurate, and, and that was surprising. Uh, I mean, he, ha- he, had a, he had a tough match until he was taken off, and, and he said, uh, you know, Glenn Murray's now 36, and, and he says that Van Dijk is the best central defender he's played against uh, in all his careers, which I think is a testament to just how impressive Van Dyke was, and, and he was immense all match. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he pretty much mentioned every match. This is going to end up into just me and Sam fangirling at some point. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll we'll move on to the next next chance. As I said at the top of the show, the first half is very uneventful, but Sam, I'll come back to you. Um, Shakiri had a header... Um, I've I've put on the agenda a wrong person for the chance, really. Yeah, <laughs> obviously he doesn't get on the end of many headers, so he hasn't had the opportunity to be in that kind of position very often. But to be fair, that the guy he's got an eye for goal, and he will be really disappointed he didn't finish that. It was there's a lovely little ball in by Trent, you know, clever ball because Shakiri managed to make the run and get in front of the defender there and. That was the only way he was going to score. That was the little glancing header. So you you could argue, obviously, maybe another player might have been a bit better at heading it. But to be honest with you, with a glancing header like that, it, it didn't really matter. I think it's just one of those things. On another day, he, he probably would have scored it. So, yeah, it was a good chance. And it probably was our first, first big chance of the game, maybe apart from... The um, Firmino chance from the um, Robertson lovely cross in from uh, from the left hand side. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But Kieran, from from Brighton point of view, I know it's not the biggest moment of the game, but um, it it would have been disappointing on on Brighton's um, half that the let off let a chance that easily to to pretty much <laughs> probably one of the shortest people on the pitch. I mean, it would have been disappointing if if Brighton conceded via a header from Shakiri, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 where I sit, I was right in line with uh, with that chance, and I, th- I think our, our defence just went to sleep in respect of the cross. 
I, I thought Shakiri did well to actually. I think he was so surprised he's not used to heading the ball <laughs> um, that uh, you know he, he it, it wasn't that far away. Um, you know, he, he got a little nudge onto it. He, he diverted it goalwards and you know, a, a, a slightly firmer header, and it would have been in the back of the net. It, it, it didn't need a lot of guidance because it was coming in. You know, it was, it was coming in from the left, and you know it, it was heading. It was it was curling that direction. He he was a little bit unfortunate there, though. You know, it, it could have been saved by the keeper or blocked on the line. Who who knows what have happened? But uh, in a in a half of very little action, I guess it was one of the uh, one of the talking points. Yeah, that's literally the only reason it's on the podcast. Oh <laughs> 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 uh, dear, but um, I mean, as you as you mentioned, and we keep mentioning, the first half was very uneventful. I mean, was that always going to be the game plan from from Brighton? Because I mean, we had Chris Hewton, especially he, he's been cursed by I think Suarez alone, and obviously last season we we did score a few past you. I mean. Is he is he starting to not develop as a coach, but is he becoming more versatile in the way he sets up a team? Because he's frustrated Liverpool twice, considering the poor record. And I mean, it, it I mean, it only took a moment of magic from Salah to actually break through, I suppose. Yeah, I think Chris Hutton is is vastly underappreciated by some, by some, not all of the Brighton fans, but but also he, he's underrated in football in general because. Mm. He's he's the least controversial and most polite coach that you'll ever meet. Uh, he he has changed our playing style this season. Uh, last year we we set up as as four or five one because we we sort of signed four or five players in our first season in the Premier League, and therefore the majority of the squad were were Championship experience. This year, they those players have all had an extra twelve months in in the Premier League, and we've also extended the squad and we've improved the squad. So now that the, he's switching between four five one and four three three, um, so against um, against a different team, I think we would have been more adventurous. But by his, his own admission, you know, when we tried to play slightly more expansively against Liverpool last season, we were absolutely slaughtered. It was without doubt the best performance by any opposition team uh, against us. And this year we d- we decided, well, if you want to win, you're going to have to do it the hard way rather than us just passing the ball to you and letting Coutinho run through us at will. Is that a, just to, for comparison to the other top teams? I mean, is that a similar tactic you you take up with, say, a Spurs, a Chelsea, or a, an Arsenal, Man United? Because I know I'd probably say Man City and Liverpool are on a step above. But is that is that something? Um, Brighton do against the rest of the top six quite commonly. Yes, yeah. I mean, we we've played all the top six now. We played Liverpool twice, um, and yeah, we we've not been beaten by more than two goals, and and, that, and that's what the, the the ambition is. Yeah, ultimately, a successful season for the Albion this season will be if we finish seventeenth or above, and and at present that's looking. A reasonably good chance, but there, there's no guarantee, um, and, and that's that's the nature of being a non-big six club. No matter how many games there are to go, until you're mathematically certain of being able to stay up, you do tend to be a little bit more cautious, um, because if if you lose by less than three goals to a uh, a big six team, you, you count that as a quarter of a point, because goal difference could be the difference at the end of the season. Mm. And did you had a you had a brilliant. Goal scoring run at home as well. Was it something like March? I can't remember. I was going to look it up before the show, but I forgot. It's, is, is, is the goal scoring record something that's improved recently or, or since the end of last season? Yes, we, we've 
we've scored at home in every single match for for nearly a year, mm. um, and that was the first uh, that was that was the first shutout that we've had. So, uh, you know, we we've improved, especially at set pieces, and I thought. Yeah, fair. You have to give credit to Liverpool that they must have done their homework and they they restricted the number of of opportunities from set pieces that we had um, because we've got some you know, we've got two big centre halves and and Murray, all of whom can cause a bit of a bit of nuisance um, in in the penalty box. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a good point. I didn't really notice that, but I can't remember any silly fouls at all really and I'm sure Sam can remember a good couple of players who used to give away a couple of them Lucas <clears throat> uh, but uh, Sam I'll come to you and um, one of the talking points that came out after the game and I probably more focused on the first half was the was the lack of midfield um, pretty much penetration in, in terms of passing and stuff like that and obviously you mentioned it as well um, but I mean Henderson, Ginny, I'm going to have to throw Shakiri in there. They just really weren't turning up, were they? No. Um, you know, the, the Brighton five in midfield really did stifle us. Um, and the fact, as you said, it's it's pretty much Henderson and, and Wijnaldum as the midfielders with Shakiri trying to push on. Um, you know, with Henderson and Wijnaldum, you know what you're going to get. Um, I thought Wijnaldum was really good. You know, he, he's an absolute beast on the pitch physically and he puts the work in and, and does mop up a lot of, uh, clean up some of the issues that we get in that midfield. But again, he's not a player that's going to penetrate these these stubborn defences. So um, it is a concern if we weren't continuing to, to get these cracking you know, grinding out these 1-0 wins. Uh, I think I saw something on Twitter earlier. Is that our fifth this season so far? Um, mm, they've won, yeah, they've won five. Uh, Andrew Beasley, that's it. Liverpool won five matches, 1-0 so far this season. Salah has scored the winner in four of them. The other one was the Origi. <laughs> Origi won <laughs> against Everton. So. <laughs> I don't know why that makes me laugh so much. But um, yeah, so it just, it just goes to show that they are, they're so much more composed now. This Liverpool team, they're they're willing to manage the game a lot more because they're a lot more composed than us as fans are. That's for certain. You know, when it was one nil and Brighton were pushing at the end, and fair play to them, they did create some really dangerous positions. And sometimes because we gave the ball away carelessly, which we'll get onto later, I'm sure. But you know, we I was starting to twitch big time. You know, Brighton are a very dangerous side. I really respect Brighton. I think, you know, Chris Houghton is a really class act and I think he's a really, you know, top guy as well. And I, I really thought that they are they were in with a chance of an equaliser, but this Liverpool team really are showing their metal this season. We've had a number of games this season now where it's it's come down to those fine margins. Um it might be five one nil victories, but I don't know how many games we've won by one goal margin it's quite a lot so it's it's really encouraging and it's something that maybe we should start relaxing in games and just trying to enjoy it because it looks like the guys are, are not panicking on the pitch anymore and you know if we do manage to get our noses ahead it's something that we invariably at the moment manage to keep I, I agree with what Sam's just said there because I think last year from an outsider's point of view you, you, Liverpool was seen as an entertaining side, and you 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 went you watching the games on television, expecting goals. You weren't quite sure how many goals or who they're going to be to. Um, whereas this year, 
as as an opposing team, once we went one nil down, to a certain extent, we we did feel game over last year at the Amex. Even even when Liverpool had scored two or three, we felt we we felt we were still in with a chance because we were creating opportunities and we just didn't take them. Yeah, and you nicked a penalty then, didn't you as well to make it three one? That's um, right. Yeah, yeah. And, and, the, and when that happened, the crowd were up and yeah. everybody was excited because Liverpool was seen as a side who were vulnerable at the back and that no longer yeah. is the case. Yeah, exactly. I, I remember at the time, even 3-1, I was like still twitching, which is terrible, isn't it? But it was it's kind of shades of when I had performances like the Bournemouth one when they got put pegged back and you, you just remember all of that. But this season, touch wood, you know, that's a thing of the past. You know, this Liverpool side haven't dropped a single point in the league against a team outside the top six still. Uh, you know, and we're in mid-January. It's it's unbelievable. So, uh, long may it continue. Oh, yeah. Bloody hell. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, um, Kieran, um, well, I asked I asked Sam about our midfield. I'm going to have to ask uh, you about Brighton's. I mean, it, it does seem like a real strong core that you've got there. I know Pascal Gross hasn't really... I know he's not been available all season. He's probably not reached the levels he was at last year. But there seems to be a, de- a decent core of midfielders you got there. I know Dale Stevens is a long servant. Um, you've obviously got Basuma who didn't play uh, the other day, obviously. But uh, and and um, Davy Proper. But is your midfield really the core of uh, the core of your team? And obviously you got um, Duncan uh, Duffy as well. But is the midfield really there to help? Well, I'd say that the that the two centre halves are the are the rock upon which mm. the team defends. Depends. Um, Davy Proper has played a lot better this season. I think he's mm. become acclimatised by his own admission to the pace of the Premier League, and, and he and he is actually a, a typical Dutch player. If you give him the opportunity, he's he's, he's creative and he can dribble. Except that, you know his his prime job is a bit like Henderson and, and Wijnaldum is 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 a, as a sweeper in front of the back four to make sure that the the back four don't get too exposed. But he, he, after Gross went off, uh, Proper did actually move into that sort of second striker role, uh, sort of play, playing behind Andoni. So, yeah, they, they both played well. And Bissouma's an exciting talent. He, he's still young and he he will make four or five good runs in every match. And then he'll give the ball away in, in, the, in our third of the pitch and, and give an opportunity to the opposition, which is exactly what happened yeah. at Anfield. Yeah. Um, and that you know that's that's the nature of the, the the transfer market in which we're operating. You know, it, it, for eight to ten million pounds, you're buying potential, whereas Liverpool can buy the finished article, but they have to pay ten times as much. Yeah, that, that's that's modern football. Yeah, just to build on the the new signing things. Obviously, you're missing. I know his Kiedo signed last year, but you're obviously missing him. Couple players at the Asian Games as well. I mean, is, is there any? Uh, of the new signings who have really stood out in terms of making an impact this season? Um, well, the, well, the two fullbacks, uh, Bernardo and Montoya, are certainly an upgrade on, on what we had last season. Um, you know, Montoya, the thought of anybody ex-Barcelona ever playing for, for Brighton <laughs> is, is something which we, we're still struggling to come to terms with because we've got third and fourth division mentality having spent the vast majority of our time there. Um, yeah, so, so Montoya is is a very solid, sort of very typical Spanish fullback. He's he's, he's not particularly tall, but he's he, he reads the game well and his distribution is good. Um, Bernardo took a while to to acclimatise. He, he didn't he didn't start 
many games at the start of the season, but he's he has made the left back position his own. And again, sort of you might say typically Brazilian, he he will be seen at both ends of the pitch given the opportunity. <laughs> um, so that's that's certainly certainly strengthened us. Um, and Doni is is looking exciting. Um, he, he's uh, you know, he's not a, he's not a number nine. He's he's a, he's a continental style forward. Um, and and the big change w- which we have noticed, and it's only happened in the last six weeks, is is Jurgen Lacadia has, who was probably again our man of the match yesterday, has turned from being a a, a joke figure in, into somebody who you know, we're expecting to see on the team sheet every match. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Lacadia, he seemed like the one who could cause us problems. I know, I don't think Brighton had a shot on target, but he he did seem to. Not cause Trent a lot of bother, but he d- he did seem to be the one who could physically bully someone and then make a moment of magic. I mean, is that is that something that you've seen from him? Not regularly, but I know his goal scoring record and his impacts got better. But is he something that could still get better? I suppose. Yes, yeah, very much so. We, we we signed him. We thought we were signing a centre forward, um, and then we played away to United in the the FA Cup quarter final. Last season, he had a couple of headed chances, and at the end of the match, he actually confessed he doesn't like heading the ball, which <laughs> isn't ideal from a number nine. Um, and so, I think we there were there was talk about a month ago of him going to Leeds on loan, uh, and, and then Chris Hutton decided to, to pay him out wide on the left, and, and that's completely changed his, uh, his his ball control is good and his distribution is excellent. He, he's very accurate with his passing. Uh, and he's chipped in with a couple of goals, one against uh, Everton, of course. So uh, I'd imagine most Liverpool fans will take a liking to him. Oh, yeah. If he, if he could score against Man City, I think you play them next, don't you? That, that'd be lovely as well. <laughs> uh, uh, but, I mean, Sam, speaking of people who play out, play out wide on the left, I am going to have to ask you about Mane because his his form's not what it needs to be at the minute. And I know his end, his end product's suffering as well. I mean, is, is he now a concern for you? Um, I, I will, he is a bit of a concern, but I definitely wouldn't base it on this game. I, I think that chances were at such a premium in this game. I don't think anyone, particularly Sean, you know, obviously Salah did what was necessary to get us the points, but you know, no one was shining too brightly there today. It was a really tough game to actually manage to showcase anyone's skills. Um, you know, he, Mane started the season really positively and was looking for a short period our best attacker this season, very much at the start of the season. But he might be starting to suffer from our lack of depth in, in that front three. You know, even Shakiri's been playing more more of a midfield role, mm. so th- there hasn't been any anyone in there able to kind of rotate with the front three. And when they are losing a bit of sharpness give them you know, a game, they can drop out for a game and then, and then regain a bit of freshness. So I don't know whether it's a bit of that. Um, to be honest with you, I think it's something I wouldn't be surprised now. Home game against Palace coming up next. He, he might have another worldie. Um, I think a lot of our opinions are based on him missing those glaring opportunities. He, he is someone who has had a bit of a bad habit of, of missing what we might call sitters on occasion. Um, that that one against Man City was obviously key. And, you know, if he puts that away, we probably get at least a point from the game. So it is frustrating when he is a bit hit or miss with his finishing. 
But to be honest, I am a massive Mane fan. I think he's an excellent part of this Liverpool team and he's probably still a bit underrated. He, he does do a lot of work for the team and I think defences do try and double up on him because he is such a threat. Even though he does give the ball away a lot and, and he does miss the occasional chance, I think he's someone that's such a live wire that you know he, he tries things that are difficult and then when and they don't come off, it can look a bit pants. So I think maybe that's why sometimes we, we do get frustrated with him. But I think on the whole, he's, he's still doing a great job for the team. And, you know, don't be surprised if he notches first against Palace. Yeah, that'd probably be typical. But Kieran, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you about Mane as well, because obviously when, you, when you're looking at a team that Brighton obviously be ver- versing, you'd obviously look and assess who who the danger men, danger men are. Would you, as pretty much a neutral, would you classify Mane as a similar bracket as Salah, for example? How how would you look at him from neutral, from a neutral point of view? Uh, well, Salah is the main man because he's going to score the most goals and he is the close control which defenders fear. Um, I, I think Mane is, is a different style of player and, and to give him credit for yesterday, he ran and ran and ran. And the, it, the, the, I don't... The matches always look slightly different when you're there compared to if you're looking mm. at a feed, I guess. Um, but he was he was always looking for the ball, and he was he was stretching our defence, which was giving opportunities as we tired in the second half. So uh, I, I think he's he would he would certainly start in my team. Uh, whether whether he I would want to pick him against um, you know smart continental opposition or, or if it was a huge deciding match at the end of the season against another big six team I'm not so sure but against a team of, of Brighton's calibre he's he's, uh, he's he's excellent because it's his hard work that creates the tiredness in defenders which allows Salah to exploit Yeah, yeah it's quite interesting I thought I'd uh, get the neutral point of view because I think it's fair to say that some Liverpool fans do like to uh, overrate some players but I'm, I'm sure Mad is not one of them because he is genuinely a very talented player. But that that was the first half. I've pretty much stretched the most uneventful half of football to about thirty <laughs> minutes, <laughs> uh, which will do. But um, I mean, deserve an award for that, mate. Uh, I know, I know. I'll probably cram in the second <laughs> half in about ten minutes. Now. <laughs> um, but uh, we'll come on to the second half, and I mean, straight away we see a change and of a change in. Intensity and stuff like that. we see Salah have a have a, a dribble and a shot, which I thought, ooh, a shot. <laughs> um, but I mean, pretty much straight away we see a penalty. Um, Kieran, I mean, Bong's caught up field for some. I'm not sure why he's caught up field. Maybe kind of getting still back into the rhythm of the game. But um, it, it, what what did you make of it? Do you think it was Gross being clumsy, or, or or do you agree with the diving narrative that we see from um, Keys and Andy Gray, for example? It, it was a penalty. Um, mm-hmm. it, it was there wasn't a big tug of the shirt, but and does Salah make the most of it? Yes, he does. But the thing is, don't don't put your hand on somebody else's shirt in, in the penalty box, especially when you, when he's goal side of you. Um, so yeah, you know, I, th- I think it also sums up Gross's season that he's he's started off injured and he's come back and he and he's looked slow. Um, you know, I, I think what people haven't given Salah credit for was. In in that build up, he he did turn our defence, and you know we were chasing him, and he and he was about to get a shot in. So, uh, you know, at, whilst at the time I was screaming at Kevin Friend, um, you know, ha- having seen it on on television, it was 
it, it was a penalty. It's it's one that if it had been one of our players, I would have been screaming for it. And yeah, when it's the opposition, you, you call it soft, and that's the nature of being a football fan. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, Sam, how how well did Salah do? I mean, just to get into the position to win the penalty because he kept hold of the ball and dribbled past a few people. Yeah, it's it's the same kind of thing that he did against Arsenal to get the penalty, where he he slows right down and then just does that quick burst of pace, and before the defender knows it, he's on the wrong side, and they just panic. And in this on this occasion, he was actually on his left peg as well, which is obviously his most most lethal weapon. So I think Gross panicked a bit, and you know not only did he pull him back, he also kicked Salah's left leg which had been cocked back ready to shoot as well so um, yeah I think it was a stonewall penalty um, I know a lot of Twitter's exploding keys and grey talking more rubbish saying that you know he's calling him a diver and everything uh, as you know, Kieran mentioned there now obviously he's exaggerated the contact but you know that's exactly what any footballer will do in the box if you're getting kicked um, you know if you're fouled these days, you you seem to have to go down to get the the award. So it's something that you know, he, he pulled him and kicked him at the same time. He just had a shocker, basically. I don't know whether Pascal Gross had seen the uh, rumours that Liverpool were sniffing around him, and he just wanted to do a bit of an agent's job for <laughs> Liverpool, and, and uh, you know, get, give Klopp the little wink after it, or or what? But. Um, you got to give credit to Salah. He's he's turned him inside out. He went back and forth and then back again. And before you know it, he's on the wrong side. And what can you do? You know, it, it, he tried to do a little slide pull of, of the shoulder and he's gone a bit too far with it. And it's a penalty and that's it. But um, just absolutely relieved that Salah did actually put it away. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, but did get into it. Um but I think the the ferocity of the shot took it to the back of the net. Yeah, and I also I don't think a lot was made of the save uh, the button had actually made from the previous shot as well because that was actually a really well struck shot by Salah across the goal, and he just gathered it without you know that was the type of shot along the ground that gets spilt mm. so often by goalkeepers. So I just thought, you know, that was a bit of an underrated save by him. So I thought, bloody hell, he's he's done really well there. And again, as you said, he'd be a bit disappointed. He, he didn't manage to keep that penalty out because he did get a, a decent hand to it. But um, it's something that Salah's changed in his penalties. He was, he was going a bit more gently with his penalties and trying to place it previously. But if then the keeper guesses the right way, it's a save. So he's now gone for the uh, Alan Shearer just twat it approach, I think, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and and just hope it goes in. Yeah, yeah, and I mean we've we've seen a couple stinker penalties from him last season. I'm, I'm glad that he just twats it now, if I'm honest, because <laughs> it seems to be working. I mean, Sabi, I think he's now got the most goal goal contributions in the league. I mean, it's obviously he's still very. I think he's still got a, not a level to go, but he can still get better. I mean, last season he was obviously phenomenal, but I mean, he's just the, he's just the air of consistency now, isn't he? He's he's vastly better than four or five months ago. I think it was clearly a hangover from the World Cup. And he, he looks now a lot, a lot fresher. Um, in the first half, he, he, he didn't do anything. He had hardly any touches because 
we, we screened the ball. We, we prevented him getting access, but he became more and more influential as the match carried on. Yeah, and Sam, your, your, your view on that? Yeah, to- totally agree. You know, he did come into the season. He had that shoulder injury that he picked up. So, unfortunately, in that Champions League final where just everything went wrong for us. Um, so, he did come into the season. He seemed to be carrying that. He- he'd had a really, you know, busy summer as well. So, it might have took a little bit longer for him to kind of hit his stride. But I think he's he's been on... He's been our most important player this season, apart from Van Dijk now. I think you could argue he's more important than Van Dijk. I know, obviously, these clean sheets are uh, the vital things getting us through these really tight games. But Salah is the man that is taking us to that next level. On these really tight games, he's picking up the points for us. So, you know, uh, Simon Brundish tweeted that he's got a goal or assist every 84 minutes um, this season so far. So every single game, he's creating a goal or scoring a goal. So that just goes to show how vital he is to this team. And I just think, you know, he he was the key man again um, in this game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But speaking of possibly another key man, and and Kieran, I'll I'll start with you on this. Um, We see, I think it's pretty much, Pretty much straight after the uh, the goal, we see Pascal Gross gets a gets a chance, and Fabinho blocks it. I mean, you weren't out of the game. I mean, what was the atmosphere like in the stadium? Did you did you feel a comeback coming? Was there a change in the way you were playing? Possibly a bit more attack minded. Obviously, as we mentioned earlier, what the plan was to frustrate, but obviously, Concini, was there a change in intensity? Yes, I, I think uh, Liverpool sat back a bit, and and we took the opportunity to to try to come on to them, knowing that we had to then score. Um, it, it was a good block from Fabinho because Gross's shot was on target. I, I think that Alisson probably would have got to it, but it's, it, you, know, you, you can't tell. Uh, and again, it was right in front of me. And, and for the rest of the match, you know, the, the, crowd were, the crowd were quite animated because of a number of Kevin Friend's decisions as well. So it, it, was, a, it was a good atmosphere. But, but this is the difference between Liverpool... 2019 and 2017 in, in that for all our huffing and puffing, we, we didn't have a single sh- chance on target ultimately. And Liverpool looked very assured at the back. Uh, you know, e- even against Manchester City, you feel that you can score. Um, whereas Liverpool's defence is, is, their, is, the, is their key element. And, and, I, and I, I personally think that Van Dijk is the difference um, compared to last season. I know you say you think that, that Salah is is the most important contribute, contributor at the other end. Uh, but uh, ov- overall, to me, I-, I would say that Van Dijk would be my player of the season. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure, I think he's favourite for the Premier League player of the season at the minute as yeah, well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but Sam, I mean, we mentioned uh, Fabinho playing centre-back and possible concerns and stuff, but I mean, he settled in there and obviously made such a, such a great block there, didn't he? Yeah, at, at- after the um, the Wolves game, um, I, I really did think he was a shoe-in to start this game. You know, even though Matip was in with a shout for coming back, you know, he, he was just coming back from another one of his little injuries. It wasn't someone you wanted to just be throwing straight back in when he's carrying a knock. So I thought Fabinho would be coming in. And, you know, I wasn't too worried after seeing him against Wolves. I thought, you know, if he can do that against Wolves when he's next to a 16-year-old, when he's next to Van Dijk, he's going to look an absolute colossus. And I think that's what we saw on the day. You know, I think he was 
but Sky Sports actually gave him man of the match for this match and you, you can't really argue too much with it. I think um, the official man of the match actually went to Van Dyke, did it? Um not but sure. <laughs> I think I think it's between Van Dyke, Fabinho, and Salah for me. But um, mm. yeah, Fabinho had a cracking game at centre back in a position which he's played hardly any minutes in in his entire career. But his defensive instincts are something that are you know very well honed, and obviously he's played a lot of times at right back. So um, you know he, he's got a lot of experience at the back at least. And I thought he was excellent for us. I thought. Um, that chance I mentioned for Firmino earlier when um, Robertson played the cross in, mm. that was actually Fabinho's excellent raking ball across field that actually set that up. Uh, Brighton got a little head to it as it skipped through to Robertson, but it was a cracking little crossfield ball um, showing his distribution skills. Um, he made that great block, uh, as you said, from uh, Agent Gross's uh, attempt at goal. Um so I, and I, that did look like a really dangerous attempt as well, with Allison's body weight going to uh, the, the his right of the goal, say, and maybe the ball going the other way. I thought that could have been a really dangerous attempt. Um, and Fabinho made a number of other interceptions as well, and kept a really cool head and played it really well out of the back. And it's something that you know I'd have him ahead of Lovren every day of the week, but. I'd much prefer him to be in, in midfield. I think we miss him far more in midfield. So, you know, as a protection for the back four, as that extra, extra layer. So, you really can't wait now for fingers crossed and get back into midfield because I think that's just going to elevate this team another notch again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you could just clone him like twice, it'd be great. Then you have cover at right back. He could play centre-back <laughs> and midfield. <laughs> It'd be it, great. It would be lovely, yeah. Oh, dear. But, yeah, I mean, it, it, it was, uh, I thought he was excellent. I'd probably give him man of the match just because of the fact he, he did play out of position. And that's a little bonus point for me. But, um, Kieran, we see a couple subs. I think Knockhart comes on for March, if I remember correctly. And also, and Andoni comes on for Murray. Do you think that was just, uh, just pretty much summar- summarising that? Uh, Hewton was changing the style of football because Murray just didn't really get any change out of the centre-backs? That's right. We, we weren't really getting crosses into the box from the byline. Um, and, and Knockhart is more of a traditional winger than March. Uh, I, I guess Chris also felt that uh, Andoni's style, he, he's he's far, far quicker than Glenn um, as a striker. I thought that his pace might trouble the, the, the Liverpool defence, but that didn't prove to be the case. And Knockhart did look quite lively, but he, he tended to end up running sideways across the pitch, beating three or four defenders and then losing the ball, which is which is why he's been on the bench recently. Uh, so so it, it was it was it was a logical thing to do because I think that the, the the players who came off were, were exhausted as well. Uh, but uh, we, we didn't really look uh, any more dangerous. We, we, you know, we, we we got into the final third, but that's about as far as we went. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, but, I mean, we're pretty much coming towards the end of the game, and I said I'd cram in this in 15 minutes, and I pretty much have. <laughs> but, um, I mean, we see a couple misses, but Sam, I mean, Salah, he's showing that he is human, I suppose. Yeah, it was a nice bit of work by Milner. Um, Milner, again, doing a job, uh, bombing down the left. Um, it, it, he did the... 
if you're not sure where to cross it, just hammer it as hard as you can across the box uh, technique for the first cross. And it led to a, a nice little break for him and it landed to his feet. But he, he, he did fizz it into Salah, but you, you fully expect him on his left foot to just to side foot it into the net nicely. And I'm not quite sure what happened. I don't know if he was like picturing the celebrations or something or... Uh, just thinking about something else, to be honest, but he completely fluffed it. And I think that was the biggest cheer I heard for the, the whole game was the Brighton fans kind of <laughs> laughing at him missing the chance. It was bizarre, but um, yeah, he is human, but barely. I think he is he is incredible. And yeah, Kieran, fair enough, Van Dijk is, is the difference between making Liverpool turn from a really good side to a title-challenging side. There's no doubt about it. You don't win the league unless you've got an excellent defence. It's been proven year on year. That's why we haven't been winning the league, basically, because our defence has been at the scratch. So if Liverpool end up winning the league this season, I think you've almost got to give it a Van Dijk because he's the guy that's transformed us into a challenger. But, you know... Obviously, we still need to score the goals at the other end as well. So, to be honest with you, they're both incredible players for us, and I'm just so happy we've got them. Yeah, I, th- I agree with Sam. I think I think they both get into my five-a-side team at work. Yeah, I mean, if, <laughs> if, they, if they, if they... <laughs> <laughs> you've got a hell of a work team. <laughs> Uh, just when you figure out that Kieran plays with Messi and Ronaldo <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, I mean that's pretty much been the game I mean Kieran is there anything that you can take obviously playing similar level of opposition in Man City is there anything you can take from this game into that game you think um, I, I think we can now we, we now feel that we can give the big six teams a, a fair game Um I think last season, to a certain extent, we were sort of we're we're overawed and we were tickling their tummies and say, you know, be gentle with us. So and, and we got, you know, Chelsea put four past us, Liverpool put four and five, uh, and so on. Uh, we're, we're we're not a walkover, I think, as as we proved yesterday, and 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 that's the progress. And I think you you've got to be realistic, and, and also I think from a Liverpool point of view that they've got to look at the progress. Um, you know, I, I think they will win the, the the Premier League this season because they they've got the key players at both ends of the pit, at both ends of the pitch. Um, and from what I've seen this season, Manchester City beat us easily at the Etihad, but Liverpool have beaten us twice without playing well. You know, both both occasions one nil, both occasions Salah, both occasions Liverpool had relatively few chances. But they've got six points from that. And, and they wouldn't have done that last season if they put in the same level of performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's all fair. I think that's all fair. But, I mean, I think we'll finish up there and I'll, I'll come to plugs. And, Sam, anything you want to plug? Uh, no, I, I had a bit of a bit of a break over the Christmas period. Um, you know, I did the preview pod, but I don't suppose there's much uh, use in listening to that now <laughs> after the game. Um, so yeah, just uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, my handle is at Sambo Evans. Good stuff, good stuff. I highly recommend in following Sam. Um, and Kieran, anything you want to plug? Well, if if you like graphs and you like uh, to know a little bit about what's happening in in the world of football finance, that's my specialist area at university. Uh, so I run the the Price of Football website, and and I 
do the uh, do the price of football on Twitter to, at Kieran Maguire. Uh, so I, I tend to do analysis of, of each club as, as they come out. So I'm as well, once I finish chatting to you guys and going back to doing lots of charts involving Chelsea and the mysterious Mister Abramovich. Oh, I think that one will be full of uh, asterisks. Asterisks, that's that's the word I was looking for. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I enjoyed that podcast, both of you. But thanks for listening, everybody. Goodbye. Let's get ready to rumble! Podcast Network.